This podcast is produced on the land of the Wujak Noongar people, and we want to pay our respect to the elders past, present and emerging. Courtney, welcome to Homelessness Week. Welcome. Exciting week, I think. Mm. Um, you know, it's a topic that uh, needs more attention uh, yeah. right across WA and, and Australia and, and worldwide. Yeah. Um, yeah. So completely coincidentally... We've got Alex Hughes on the podcast. Oh, yeah, totally by accident. We just saw him on the street. Yeah. Oh, hey. <laughs> from Just Home, Margaret River. Yeah. Uh, which is, as you'll hear from him, it's a grassroots organisation looking to help people who are either homeless or at risk of homelessness. Um, and you'll, you know, Alex will give you a bit of a definition yeah. of what those people are, like what their situation is and, and, and you know, the circumstances. But yeah, really nice to get a chat with Alex. We did have him on on the 100 Families podcast. Yeah, so you might recognise his voice. Um, yeah. yeah, he has been been on the podcast before. Yeah. Um, but this time, yeah, new topic, uh, new new uh, non-for-profit, I guess. Is it I think it is a fairly, yeah, non- fairly new non-for-profit. Yeah. Um, new location <laughs> Yeah. where he's from. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a really interesting conversation so hope you guys enjoy yeah we'll come back to you after well if we're all ready i'll uh, all that leaves us to do is to welcome alex hughes back onto the podcast hi alex Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a couple of years, I think, since she joined us. Maybe, maybe even three years. Mm, yeah, it was a while. We, yeah. we, I think I've been on two times. Yeah. Before, but yeah, no, it's nice to be back. I feel. Thanks. I feel like it, the first time was actually when COVID was just new. Is that right? Yes, I think it was. And then the second time we had some evidence around um, the impact of COVID on people. It, it, in, with in disadvantage, yeah. Mm. So yeah, I think the okay. second time was around that. Yeah, okay. And you were working for Wacos. I was then. yeah, WA Council of Social Service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, okay. As a project manager for the Hundred Families WA project. Yeah, and that is that project still going in some form? Do you know? Uh, yes and no. So the 100 Families WA project completed. So we ended, well, the, the, the funding ended, the project ended, um, but many of the alliances have continued because okay. there was. I mean, there was 10 partners, two of which were UWA, one was Wacos, but seven charities. And within those charities, there's been some additional sub-projects, if you like, established, Mm -hmm. and some more, some larger alliances um, to then take some of the learnings as a vehicle for making change internally and uh, within the sector. Yeah, okay. Um, So, yeah, that's been happening in the last year, but I've obviously stepped away and I've been working in the regions, so yeah. I'm not so aware of what's been happening <laughs> in that one. Yeah, okay. Um, and you, just just to remind people, you've got a social work background, is that right? No, so right. I've got an undergrad in psychology okay. and a, a master's in public health. Right. So I worked, my early career was in schools and then in child protection, and then I did my master's to try and work at being more at the intervention, interventive preventative level, hence okay. public health. Yep. Um, Okay. Yeah, and 100 Families was a great way of, of learning about what or how the social support system impacts people who are vulnerable, people in disadvantage, um, from a government and non-government policy and practice point of view, and then m- most importantly, from their own, as in the participants, the people with lived experience, um, perspectives, what we can do to make changes that would better impact their lives. Yep. So that was the outputs of the project. And okay. there's... I'm not. <laughs> I wasn't here to promote 100 Families, but no, no, no yeah. I've got the mic. It. There's a whole host of really great resources. Um, some of them interactive. We have e-learnings for new staff, for, for students, for for existing staff. Um, the Welcome to Our World platform, which is very interactive. We even have that in schools now. So, mm. so that's being part of the uh, curriculum for people to understand and learn what others go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well as more, you know, snapshots, bulletins, reports. So a lot of different materials to get you. Yeah, yeah okay. Into. Okay, so, mm. and you said you moved from that about a year ago. So what was yeah. the, why did you decide to do that and where are you now? So um, 
<laughs> we made the decision we were going to move to Margaret River, mm-hmm. and so I was looking for work, and this position came up managing um, a small grassroots charity called Just Home Margaret River. Um, so that was just over a year ago. It's a very small charity. Uh, there's four staff, part-time staff, a lot of volunteers because it was established in 2017 by volunteers and people with lived experience by the community. Uh, so incorporated in 2017. And then I've been coming and going since that time. So I spend a week there and a week here. I'm no longer moving to Margaret River, oh. ironically, <laughs> but I'm so attached to the place that mm. I uh, have kept going. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's a wonderful grassroots place-based, local, community-led charity who are doing their best to make a real impact. Yeah, okay. So what are the core activities of Just Home? So Just Home has two main activities. So one of them is support. So people experiencing homelessness or at risk of can come to us and we have um, a service that provides support, whether it's through information, referrals, that kind of thing. Um, and largely because there's nothing else in the region nowhere else they can go to get that especially I mean there's internet but not everyone has internet access it's very patchy down there if you can afford it Um, the access in terms of location if you need that you need to travel up to Bustleton and Bunbury which is you know a good hour hour and a half plus Mm. Um, so that that part of the organisation provides that support Um, and we've seen a doubling of numbers in people reaching out, you know, engaging us for that support in the last two years. So to give you an idea, I mean, two years ago, we might receive 80 engagements per year. Now we're getting about 150 plus. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's a pretty much double. Mm-hmm. Um, and to give you an idea of the clientele, the, the people that engage, the community members, about a third of those people are over 55. Because mm-hmm. I think when people think about Margaret River, a wonderful place, great tourist town, beautiful, but they don't necess- necessarily associate it with homelessness mm-hmm. or housing insecurity. Yeah. And I'm hoping through this conversation I can kind of shed a light on, on what the context is. So just that stat in itself, mm-hmm. it's not what people might perceive as, you know, the, the, the person might be, a, you know, a backpacker or a, a surf guy who's just coming through town and hasn't got a place to stay. It's our elderly people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a high number of disproportionately, just a bit more women than, than men, a lot of single mums, um, a lot of single guys as well, elderly. Um, but yeah, these are, the, these are the people that have got nowhere to live. Mm. And so out of that 150 engagements per year, 49%, so pretty much bang on half, are homeless at that time. Mm. Okay. And the other half are, are imminent risk of becoming homeless. Yeah, okay. So that's half the organisation. The other half is more community development. So rather than just help, we want to also provide solutions. So we look at different options. We work with different stakeholders within the community and also with government to try and find options, um, develop projects and programmes where housing um, is more likely to become a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can talk more in detail about what those are if you like. Yeah, Okay. It might be good to um, bring some context for people who don't actually know anything about Margaret River itself, because we, you know, we have some listeners not in Perth, which is yeah. cool, um, yeah. but they wouldn't know anything about Margaret River. So, do you mind providing some of that context? Yep, yep. So, Margaret River is um, a tourist town about three hours drive south of Perth, two hundred and sixty k's or something similar. Um, it's famous for a couple of things. One is its wineries and vineyards, and two, it's surfing. So it's worldwide famous. We have a big surf competition there. Is it every year? Or? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Margaret River Masters. Yeah. 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 Um, and the wine is exported around the world because of its, you know, its, its quality. Mm-hmm. So it's very famous for that, and it's a beautiful place, lovely place to visit. Um, it's a wealthy place. There's a lot of money there. Um, a lot of doctors have homes there. A lot of second <laughs> homes. So in the recent <laughs> census, 27% of the homes are empty. Wow. And a lot of those would be second homes. Yeah, okay. Um, That's a lot. Yeah, and so it, it's, it's dropped slightly. It was 30% in the previous census, but I think my, my guess is after COVID, a lot of people moved down, took early retirement yep. or change of, you know, mm. sea change, tree change. So it's dropped slightly, but 27%, so over a quarter of the houses mm. down there 
empty, <laughs> which is bonkers. And it's a real juxtaposition because we celebrate it as a tourist town. I've been visiting, you know, my river for years. Mm. It's a nice place to go. Mm. But how do you marry up the need for people to be, you know, having a, a holiday and enjoying the space with the needs of the community that one, you know, it's, it's a high rate of um, casualised workforce. So the, the people that are serving you that wine, mm-hmm. usually on a casualised um, wage, the the tourists, you know, the people who are making the beds in the hotels or cleaning, you know, these people are on a low income, oft, often casualised work uh, force, um, and have nowhere to go. And these are the, these are often the people that fall in that gap of. I've got nowhere to I've got nowhere to live. Mm-hmm. You know, my rental's falling in, and there's no other options. So it's a really weird one. Um, an Airbnb short stay accommodation comes up a lot. I don't know mm-hmm. if we want to get into that conversation today. It's a really think, really yeah. tricky one. I think but, it's relevant, but we can have a go. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it sort of echoes what people over in New South Wales would have seen with Byron Bay and surrounding mm-hmm. areas, mm-hmm. which was once a very affordable kind of cool sort of hip sort of place, and mm-hmm. it's now the those sort of lower paid workers have just been pushed out and that, as a result they don't have people to fill those jobs because they've got nowhere to live. So I'm assuming yeah. like on some scale Margaret River's going through something similar. Very similar and yeah. we need to be mindful of that because it's very qu- easy and quick for a, for a community that's in, in demand to become gentrified and then those people who kind of make the community what it is and Margaret River is a really artsy, colourful place. Mm-hmm. If you lose that 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 um, variety, then it is a gentrified place that only the rich can afford, and it's not the same. Mm. And is that what we want? I mean, I, I would argue no, definitely not. So that requires some thought and some change and some adaption mm-hmm. or adaptation. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, so let's talk about the short-stay sort of Airbnb type issue that we've seen and it's happened around Australia in different yeah. places and I know Hobart I think it was recently legislated the, to, to cap how many or they were going to raise the taxes mm. I think on people who were airbnb their places or Yeah like there's that. different policies I mean I think our government are toying with the idea of capping how many nights per year somebody could rent their short stay out for mm-hmm. um, there's pros and cons with that I mean it's it, it, I think it's floated around 90 days, something like that. So three months okay. per year. Yep. So um, what, what is the issue with it? Because like, I'm definitely guilty of doing Airbnb. Well, it's, down I don't there. think anyone should be guilty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've stayed in Airbnbs. Yeah. Yeah. I think on one hand, it's a really great tool for people who have an asset to be able to self-manage mm. and make some extra money. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. nothing wrong with it's it. It's a democratisation of, of yeah. uh, accommodation, if you like. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But on the other hand... We can't just assume it's just government's responsibility to solve all our community issues. Mm. Community have a responsibility too. So if you've got 27% of your Mm. homes empty and you've got elderly people who are staying in campgrounds or sleeping on sofas or, you know, such caravans and whatnot, then how do we as a community want to deal with that? So one example, and I know Bustleton um, Shire have mailed out recently or fairly recently, I think... The Augusta Margaret River Shire did it a while ago, like a few years back, to all the short-stay accommodation landlords saying, please consider moving your short-stay accommodation over to a long-term rental option. Mm. That will get more stock on the market, probably bring the prices down a bit, make it more affordable and give people an option for a home. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, though, it's really hard. That's up to the person. So that's then, you know, it's a community response. Mm -hmm. Um, and particularly in a place like Margaret River, a lot of, as you said, a lot of people would go visit there, so they want to be able to go to their house for mm, three weeks. Yeah. Um, and if you've got long-term renters, renters that's yeah, you can't not do that. possible. And also, the those the, the value of those properties is factored into the fact that you can generate this income mm. on Airbnb, for example. Mm-hmm. And they've probably paid that price. You know, with that in mind, thinking I'll get X number of nights a year in rental mm-hmm. and that'll cover my mortgage. And, you know, on that basis, they've then t- borrowed money. And, you know, so yeah. I can see how it's a complex, tricky mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a complex, tricky thing. And so it, it's probably it's one of those um, situations where it is an appeal, I guess. There are many people who don't need to worry about money who have got those second um, or third or fourth homes mm-hmm. and so if they can and they're in a position to move them over to a, a rental property then that's a great thing they could do mm. that's an easy win um 
for the community, or not easy, but it's a win for the community and it doesn't really affect their bottom line in mm-hmm. terms of finances. Yeah. Um, it might mean, though, they get a, le- a few less days staying in their own yeah. house and mugs. So, mm. yeah, not an easy one to, to work through, but it's yeah. a real one and it's one that's affecting the community. Yeah. And so that, that's one issue, which I'm assuming is not like the only thing that's <laughs> caused us to be where we are today. What, what else can you reflect on as to how we've ended up here? So, so I wrote some stuff down just so I can provide a, a good idea of what the context is in the area. So in 2015, the AMR, so the Augusta Margaret River Shire, did an affordability uh, housing strategy and they found the, the Shire, Augusta Margaret River, to be severely unaffordable. So in comparison on a wage uh, basis to Melbourne, which is the second most unaffordable city in Australia. Mm-hmm. So we've that was in 2015. Mm-hmm. Since then, we've had massive increases in costs. So sales have gone up 55%. So if your house was 470k back in 2020, now it's worth 730k. So right. 200 over a quarter of a million increase. Mm-hmm. So rocketing prices of sales. Say with rentals, it's always 40% increase. And we've got a vacancy rate of about 0.2%. Mm. So nothing, well, not nothing, but very little comes on the market and very little, the tiniest of tiniest, if it's affordable. Yeah. Um, so you get the kind of, you can imagine the, the issues that come with that. One, overcrowding. Mm-hmm. Two, kind of insecure uh, rentals. So people are doing things like just blocking up a, a garage and calling that a, a room you can rent and it's mm-hmm. cold in the winter and hot in summer. Mm-hmm. Um so those, that's the kind of general context. But on top of that, we've got a significant lack of investment in terms of government services. So I don't know if you remember, it was on the news, I think 2019, the Osmington shootings, it was yes. the murder-suicide. Yep. Yep. Horrible experience, horrible trauma for the, for the community. It did kickstart a bit of um, an inquiry into what was available in terms of services because the, the person that did the horrible act was, you know, I think had mental illness issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was done by GP Down South, in, I think 2019, that was published. And one of the key outcomes, or two big key outcomes, was there's a lack of significant services, mm-hmm. which is common for the regions, um, and a lack of, of suitable housing. So we don't have the services that people need to go to if they've got the issues that are common when you see, you know, homelessness, mental health, family domestic violence, etc. Um, there's a stark nothingness of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, there's no affordable housing, and there's no public social community housing. Right. So nothing's been built there in, you know, 20 years. In fact, I think the opposite stock has been sold. Okay. So if you've got a growing community in terms of popularity, oh, I forgot to say this, but the region has grown, I think, more than anywhere else in the, in the state. Certainly in the, in the southwest, it's grown by 18% in the last two years. Right, yeah. So thousands of people mm. flooding there. Probably COVID was a, mm-hmm. a, an instigator for that, realising you could work from home or just uh, retire early, etc. Yep. Really a, a popular place, uh, growing infrastructure of... Um, of well, not infrastructure, sorry, a growing uh, appeal for the area, but a lack of infrastructure, a lack of services. And so as you squeeze that community greater and greater, what are you going to get? You're going to get more and more mental health concerns. You're going to get more and more um, social issues, and you're going to get a greater number of insecure community members uh, from a housing point of view and homelessness. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're seeing. And yeah. the last two years, like I said, we've doubled our numbers in, in support. interesting I, I go down to Margaret for a fair bit as well I actually got married down there a few years ago and I've noticed congratulations yeah thank you <laughs> <laughs> just about to have a five year anniversary actually oh wow oh, yeah yeah. Um, yeah so I drive through Kawaram up and mm. that's now a suburb it looks like yeah. of Margaret River there's a massive housing development that's happened there mm. Do, do the developers not are they not mandated to provide a certain number of like public housing no that, that's or? been a, a hot advocacy piece for a long time mm-hmm. um, and like 
Shelter WA peak advocacy body for the sector promote that and mm-hmm. we've we've talked about that too but there's no mandatory requirement if you're a private mm-hmm. investor and you've bought that land that's fair game you okay. do what it, as you will if you're the government and you've done that that's a different story but we don't have that no yeah okay yeah because I, I know and i don't know whether it's a voluntary thing or whether Maybe the the local planning authority, whether it's the city of Perth or the Shire of Margaret River and Augusta or whatever, whether the the approval for the project is contingent on including like public housing or affordable housing, but you do see it in certainly in like um, apartment developments around the city in certain parts like East Perth and mm. whatnot. There are some precincts where there is a certain percentage that is like this ring fenced for you know low income earners and that sort of thing. Yeah. And that's that's a really great point, Greg. We we need that kind of policy down in the southwest desperately, especially mm. you know in the last. I mean, since the government's incentive um, to build houses, there's so many developments um, under underway. Mm. Um, but it's it's completely at this point up to those individuals mm. from a moral values point of view because there's probably no financial incentive. Uh, yeah. to do just that. I mean, mm. if they can make X amount of money from a 4 by 2 on a 500-square-metre block, that's what they'll, they'll do. They'll do, yeah. Um, affordable housing isn't as profitable and sexy, I think. Mm. So, yeah, that's the kind of thing we advocate towards, um, yeah, planning, um, policymakers, et cetera, to, to get those kind of... Um, Demands or, or stipulations in, included, because mm. um, that would help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because one of our prominent philanthropists has been trying to get a couple of beachside resorts <laughs> built up and down that coast. Um, <coughs> I think Binning Up is one of the places, and then also down near Preveley Beach, mm. um, Andrew Forrest. I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. I thought you were tactically not going to say his name. No, no, no. You, you called it. No, no I called we'll it. Call um, but, <laughs> but obviously, he's got a big philanthropic organisation that potentially could do stuff like that if there was a, a desire. But you could have a beachside resort. Why wouldn't you just do that instead? Yeah, <laughs> he could do that too. He's, I think yeah. he's got the cash to do oh, that yeah, as well. Would, yeah. It's tricky, yeah. isn't it? Because So I was in the ABC um, Southwest on the radio a couple of weeks back because they are trying to get a uh, sustainable housing, sorry, sustainable hotel development going in the centre of Margs. But to do that, they would have to sell off this group of eight um, houses and, and kick those families yeah, out. I saw that story. Mm. You yeah. saw that? Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of like, well, great. I mean, I love the fact that they're thinking more sustainably about accommodation, but we just don't need any more short-stay accommodation. Mm. What we do need as a community is more affordable and public housing. Mm. Um, and really we need the powers that, that be, you know, whether it's the sh- local shire or the, the local government, the, sh- the, the state government, to step in and really help us to enforce that. Because yeah. otherwise, like I said at the very beginning, you're going to end up with a very different Margaret River. And when mm. you think about the state and one of the, the jewels in the crown, I mean, you've, you've got many, but Margaret River is definitely one of them. Mm. Um, and so it will be a different experience if we don't protect it. Yeah, and a lot of people, um, well, um, I think a lot of people in general community don't particularly like the idea of public housing either. Mm. So, like, I know, um, yeah, I used to live in Mount Hawthorne, and I know there's some public help, um, housing there, and mm. I've definitely heard in the community that the suburb just shouldn't have public housing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, there's also kind of that that stigma associated with it as well. Yeah. Um, and when you've got a place like Margaret River, which is a tourist town that is known for good food, good wine, yeah. there might be those opinions as well. Of course, and those opinions are everywhere. And often the, those opinions are unfounded because, like I said at the very beginning, mm. of course, if you're in a, a position in life where you're homeless, then you, that comes with it some additional complicating factors for your life mm-hmm. like mental illness um, is one but those people aren't going away we do have to still look after them mm-hmm. I mean we could I guess we could push them out to Bunbury or push them out somewhere else but then is that really what we want to do um, so I mean we were successful we were supporting cooperative housing they've been um, putting in an application um, for a, it's called the Kai Loring development, I think we could call it. Mm. So that's 25, uh, over 55-year-old um, units, mm. and eight of those 
are um, going to be social housing, community mm-hmm. housing. Um, now, that's in the Witchcliffe Eco Village mm-hmm. down there. And the residents have pretty much embraced that because I think, I think they know and they understand, well, these are people who are over 55 years old. They need somewhere to go. That development is in the Witchcliffe Eco Village is about community. Mm-hmm. And so they want those people to feel like they've got a place to go within the region that they've grown up in. And I, I should have said this at the very beginning, but of the 150 engagements we get per year, the vast majority, I mean, I don't know what it is, but it's 90-something percent have been there for years. Mm. They're not the people who are blowing in, blowing out. There mm. are some. There are some transient people. I mean, it's a, it's a very transient town. But 90-something percent will be there for years. So it's their home, and we mm. have to make sure that they get to stay in their home. Mm. Um, that's what, you know, when we talk about no wrong door solutions and housing first principles, those are the things that we talk about. We t- want them to be housed where they deserve to be housed, their home, mm. not pushed up mm. up the coast or pushed down the coast or pushed inland, mm. but find solutions that are place-based. Yeah. And the, the thing is, like, moving people onto another community or another town or whatever, I mean, I've we've, we've been down and done podcasts down in Bunbury, and the services down there are just as stretched as they are anywhere else. So yep. you're just, yeah. like, giving them another problem, basically, yeah. if you start trying to do that, you know, take that view that Margaret is full and we're yeah. just going to find yeah. space somewhere else. Everywhere yeah, else is struggling as well. All the way around the state. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. So, we're, I mean, we've got a, a project going at the moment and that includes one of the Alliance partners, which is Accord West, and their main office is in Bunbury. And I've been working a bit with the, the CEO and he's so, not grateful, I guess that's the wrong word, but he's pleased that we exist because otherwise those families would have to be, if they can make it, up to mm. come up to, to Bunbury and seek their services, mm. which is outside of you know their their area. So we are doing what we need to do in the area that they live, and so therefore the the families don't have to leave. The people can stay where they are, and and Accord West get to focus on what they need to focus on. Yeah, and that's the way it should be, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And what what sort of services uh, can you give us? Some examples that you you refer to where you guys might be brokers or helping people out. Well, one of the main ones that we that we there's no Department of Housing, not that there is a Department of Housing, but you know what I mean. Department of Communities Housing. Yeah. There's no one based in Margaret River. So if you want to get on the housing wait list, you've got to do it yourself. You've either do it via the internet, which is very tough for a lot of people, or go to Bunbury. So at the moment, I can't give you the exact number, but a, w- a short while ago it was 56, I think, people on the housing wait list for Margaret River. Okay. And we were responsible for at least 37 of those. Right. So... It's making sure that those people have somewhere to go so they can at least get on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of requirements once you're on that list as well. You know, you need to make sure you've got your ID and you update them where you, if you move areas or, you know, provide updates. And if you don't, you can find yourself off the list or... Having you know, to go back on yeah. at the bottom. So we help with that. So, mm-hmm. you know, if people are in complicated lives and don't submit their ID or don't let people know where they are or what they're doing... They might pop up six months later and realise I'm not even on the list anymore. Right. So just home, that's one of the main things we do. Um, it, it is hard. We're in a position where if you if there's no if there's a lack of services and a lack of housing infrastructure, we're very limited in terms of what support we can offer. But without us, there will be zero. Mm. So at least we're able to do that, get people on the list and send them to places where at least they can get their immediate needs met. Mm-hmm. Um, even if that's just to get a, a swag f- for the night, you know, we, we do give away some like sw- some swags over winter, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to work collaboratively with the other side of the organisation with the data informing how we uh, advocate to those stakeholders I mentioned earlier and what projects we can get underway to, to see solutions through. Because mm-hmm. at the moment, um, yeah, we're just not seeing any action down there from anyone else. Mm. Oh. Yeah, it's really... Um yeah, it's not it's it's not a place you think of when you think of homelessness. You think inner city and you know people sleeping on park benches, mm. you know, in and around Perth and whatnot. So, yeah. do you guys notice that there are people sleeping rough a lot in the town? Yeah. So I mentioned so there's three so fifty percent, forty nine percent of the people that come to us are homeless at that point. Now, the first, uh, the most common um, type of living conditions for those who are homeless. Um, as is in a car, car or van, generally, because mm-hmm. that's you, you know once you 
you leave your rental because you're your landlord's going to sell it because they can make good money or they want to move back in or they're hiking the rents and you can't afford it, the car becomes the next best option. Second after that is rough sleeping. Mm -hmm. So there's, yep, there's people sleeping in the bush, sleeping around town, but finding little places Mm -hmm. that are outside of public eye. Um, There is a person at the moment actually with a swag sitting on the main street. I say that because it's been in the community forums Mm -hmm. and actually warmingly people have been really positive about what can we do to help that person because it's overtly Mm -hmm. in the rise where just home is based is in the local community center and there is some emergency um relief you know financial help and other uh there there's showers there's um you can wash your clothes etc so a lot of the people that visit that place and then are going into town you wouldn't know it's not Mm-hmm. obvious like it is maybe if you're walking through perth center northbridge mm. and those people you know essentially begging mm. um asking for money but homelessness if you're you know it, you don't have to be l- looking a certain way acting a certain way to be homeless so like i said the first one caravan second one is rough sleeping and the third one is sofa surfing mm-hmm. so a lot of people sleeping on people's sofas maybe putting themselves at risk um maybe that you know there's overcrowding issues you know it's it's, it's a really precarious position to put yourself in mm. and especially like i said if if there's no other safety net beyond that so there's no fdv family domestic violence center you can go to um that becomes the only option mm. um yeah so i understand you know and, and we, one of the things we're trying to do is help create a better and greater awareness of the issues so with homelessness coming up, apart from having an event, we're running a, an event, which is a bit of a fundraiser. We're also, I don't know what to call this. I, I feel like I need to call it an installation, but that sounds too arty. Right. But essentially what it is, it's a sofa mm-hmm. <laughs> in the main street with a mannequin on and some, some kind of stats, some, some mm-hmm. QR codes you can scan to hear people's stories. Yeah. And that's going to sit there for the whole week and just kind of help people understand who the people are that are experiencing this, what their journeys look like, and and maybe even what they could do as a, a community member to help. Because the comments I get is, well, you know, they're, they're probably just surf bums, and if that's the case, they should go to Bunbury or just, you know, go back to where they're from. And right. well, that's not the case. Hmm. That's not who it is. Yeah, long-term yeah. members of the community there. Yeah. 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 yeah, okay. So you mentioned Homelessness Week coming up. Yeah. Um, so this will go out during Homelessness Week. Yeah. Um, so what... Are there any other activities or pushes that you guys are doing? So we've got a, a big event on the Sunday night. Um, so we've got a couple of local artists book who are booked who are going to come and sing, play some pianos and some saxophones and jazz, some really cool stuff, um, some good food, local food, some good <laughs> local drinks, uh, and a live auction donated by different businesses uh, in the area. Um Maybe a couple of light speeches, but we don't want it to be overtly about, you know, that because people are coming to have a good time and just contribute. Mm-hmm. But all that money goes back to, to benefiting those people who are struggling. Mm. Um, so I don't know when this is going out, but if anybody wants to come, <laughs> you can go to the Just Home website and get your tickets. Yeah. It's $20 a ticket, $5 for kids um, from 2 to 6 at the United Church in Margaret River. And yeah, it's going to be a fun time. Sorry for the interruption. After we recorded this episode, we realised that we hadn't provided the date for the fundraising event, uh, which is the 13th of August, 2023, for anyone interested in going. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Or, and yeah. also check out the sofa in the middle of town. Yeah. I, I would definitely call that an art installation. Yeah. We'll get a lot of media around it. So, yeah, um, yeah radio interviews, newspapers and such. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so up in Perth at the moment, um, so do you split your time between... Yeah, I work full... Well, I don't work full-time, but I work just for Just Home, yeah. but I spend my time between the two locations. Okay. Which actually is really handy because all the policy people are up here. Yeah. Um, but the grassroots organisation is down there. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so that's what I was going to say to you. Look, when you're up in Perth, are your activities based around talking to policymakers? And... Yeah, they, they are. I mean, so... I mean, tomorrow, for example... Obviously not tomorrow when this comes out, but tomorrow <laughs> yeah. in my current world, yeah. I'll be meeting with the Office of Homelessness. We've, I've got a, a running engagement that, with them every two weeks. 
Um, one of the things that we are struggling with is funding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably no surprises. Yeah. We're a small grassroots charity. We run on a budget of about 300K a year, and that's four staff. Mm-hmm. Um, which is incredible, considering there's no one else doing that job. Mm. We've got all the stats, we've got all the local knowledge and all the networks, we've set up a local task force, we've got projects underway, and that's all on that kind of budget. Mm. But our funding's coming to an end, um, and so we've got one big funding um, proposal like with WA government, who have never funded us before, so this will be the first time. Another one out with uh, Lottery West, Um, and then the, the rest is kind of more fundraising and, um, yeah, kind of corporate sponsorship. It's like ad hoc sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. more bitsy. So what kind of projects, um, like what would be a good, good example of a good project that's been funded by that, that money you get? Well, the money isn't here yet, but yeah. the, 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 the kind of things it would fund, so I'll give you a couple of examples. Yeah. One is... is um, so we have an alliance we established. So Accord West one of the bigger community housing organisations in that region, but not that much in Margs. But we are. We partnered with them. And then Rotary, the Margaret River mm-hmm. Rotary Club, are also really keen to be involved. So we partnered up and we're forming, we have formed an alliance, but we're going to make it more um, official. Mm-hmm. And we've gone through this analysis of identifying what land is available, and that's a big issue, trying to find land. The building of the houses I mean, it's not easy, but it's easier than finding the land. But we found something. Uh, it's now about to, fingers crossed, come out soon in the tendering process. Um, and we've got all our ducks in a row. So we've gone through, we've got philanthropic architects who have designed uh, affordable and sustainable living for um, one and two bed homes. Mm-hmm. So we've got nine units to go on this land. Um so we've got to the point where we've met the minister, we've met with the office, the tender's coming out, we've got support from the Shire, mm-hmm. and we're ready to fundraise. And with Rotary especially's mm-hmm. support, there's a lot of rich people. They're, yeah, they're very good at <laughs> a fundraising. Lot of, <laughs> yeah, a lot of wealthy people. Mm-hmm. So I think we're ready to go. We just need to hit the button, but obviously be awarded that um, right. that land. Okay. Um, so we're kind of setting a precedence because, I don't know if you heard of My Home, which was... Um, uh, in Fremantle, East Fremantle. So they got the land, it was public transport authority land, leased to Department of Communities and then leased to uh, my home. My home, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we're looking to do something similar. Mm. So PTA have got it um, and then come to us via Department of Communities. Right. Something similar to that. So that would be one. And then we go, we've already got the money for about three of the units and we haven't even got the land yet okay. so we're really so ready to go mm. and lots and lots of people in the community want to support that work so we're getting you know builders come forward and just general community members who are eager to to be involved at different levels mm-hmm. the other kind of thing we're looking for because we don't have any crisis accommodation mm-hmm. um, is working with the local church groups um, to see if there's an option of providing that kind of crisis mm. um, accommodation mm. through that through that kind of avenue um, so, yeah, our community development officer works with those stakeholders. We've got about eight of these different projects underway, but it's very much slowly, slowly, you know, trying different things, seeing what's possible. But our alliance is the furthest forward. I mean, we could be literally ready to build next month if mm. we got that land. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not. That's a bit ambitious. Ready to put our plans into action to build soon. That's yeah. probably the same okay. thing to say. Um, but we need the support government. That's where it, it comes to. Yeah. Um, when those houses are built, how do you choose who goes in them? So um, there's the wait list. Yeah. Okay. So it's just first in, first serve. Yeah. Weirdly, and this is something we've we've spoken about previously. A lot of housing wait lists have priority lists as well. Yeah. But Margaret River doesn't have one. Okay. Okay. Now I think somebody I'm sure could correct me. That's because Margaret River could be seen to be a very desirable area. Mm. I don't know. But either way, we don't have a priority list, which is ridiculous because there are people who need to be prioritised over others, Mm -hmm. but we don't have it. So it would be a first come, first serve, but a proportion of those houses will be over 55s again. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, around a third are over 55. So we need to make sure they're taken Mm -hmm. care of. Mm. Um, And then the next step we'd want to do, which again is in line with the government's... um, Housing first principles 
is wraparound supports. Yeah. So that could be another arm of Just Home that we'd set up, maybe in partnership with the Cord West, to make sure those people have the right support that they need, especially in that first six to 12 months. Yeah, okay. And does, is that sort of, a, I don't really know too much about Accord West, but is that sort of similar to the Zero Project or 50 Lives as it was once called 50 Lives, 50 Homes? Uh, yeah, it would, it would have a same, similar flavour. Yeah. Um, we don't have the housing, so that's the first goal, get housing. But mm-hmm. we do, and we, we understand, having worked in this um, sector for a long time, that those people need those wraparound supports for, in order for it to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to do that as well, um, to give them the chance of the most success. Now, I'm a, so, social housing, public housing, for some people, isn't the end goal. Like, it's the safety net. For some it is, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But for some, there should be further steps. Yep. I mean, like in the last, isn't it the last four prime ministers, two of them have come from social housing. Mm. Um, so our current one, um, Anthony Albanese and... Because it's really a killer. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. yeah. So the sky's the limit, really. We shouldn't just go, right, social housing, done. That's mm. your future forever. No. That's the kind of safety net where people can build. But I, I'm also a strong believer... Of we, us needing to change that system to enable people to get to the next level they want to go to. I mean, an easy example of that is the salary cap. Yeah. If you earn X amount, then you can no longer live there. But you need a period of time when you're earning X amount in order yeah. to save up to move out. Mm. And no, I don't know what thinking's around that because it's a huge barrier. Yeah. Like it's a disincentive for people to, to go out there and, and work. Because you either yeah. have to be going full-time and killing it on a great wage or not work what's the point yeah mm. and you can't you can't build up a savings for a deposit or mm. you know whatever it is you might need to get into your own house or have some breathing space you know yeah and set yeah. a buffer because yeah. i mean if you've come through that trauma of being homeless and you've now found the security of a of a social housing um home then you don't want to go back to that other place mm. so you really want to make sure you are covered so it would take a lot a lot of time mentally and in practical senses to build up that buffer that Mm. resilience whether it be a fund or or to make sure that you're good to move on Mm. and i think our system needs to catch up with that and i know in other countries they do other incentives like i've heard of i forget where this was if it was ireland or canada maybe it was canada Mm. um where they match your investment dollar for dollar over mm-hmm. a 12 month period and mm-hmm. so you can move on and therefore leave the system that's a cost saving for them and you've got the benefit of moving on and someone else yeah. moves into that house that's right and now you're in the workforce paying taxes back into the system and it's yeah because they had they've trialed different policies in the uk for example with the council houses and they tried sort of selling them to you know, giving people the option to buy their own council house yep. that they were living in for generally a really really small price compared yep. to what the yep. market my, would my nan did it yeah. yeah yeah but i think they've actually discontinued that is that right i don't know because i've been over here for 16 years yeah. but i know it was i know a few people who, who did that you know like the, the generation before mine um it was i mean it provided a home that was now you know in the family f- forever yeah. so i don't know i couldn't speak about that but it seems in terms of feet feet on the ladder a really great way to get on mm. um as an alternative to some of the current policy or, or um the, the the models that we currently have to get people onto the the housing ladder and i'm trying to remember what it's called now but the the interest rate oh, what's it called um the Reserve Bank? Or? No, no, no. So for if, if, you're, <laughs> if you've got a, a, a poor credit rating or no savings... Okay, yeah. Um, and I'm guessing whoever knows more about this... Is it is Homestart or uh, one of these? No, yeah. So it's like oh, a f- it's for first of, home buyers. Yeah, you get like 5% deposit only compared to 20% or something. Or no, like no I, I, I reckon we could... Google, maybe we'll work it out by the end of the podcast. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> the interest rate for those people is so high. I mean, we could Google it. It's around 8.5%. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, okay. Which is... I mean, I, I looked at it recently. It's an averaging of the big four banks' um, main standard um, fixed loan or variable loan. Mm. Okay. But it's so much higher than what n- normal, in quotations, people would be paying. So if you're 
a low income earner with yeah. no savings buying your first home and have um, an interest rate to pay of eight and a half percent, something along those kind of lines. It's just a it's just a, a ball and chain yeah. at the very start of your yeah housing yeah. journey. Mm. Yeah, you- I think that's like particularly prominent um, in kind of my generation and younger as well. Like I know a lot of people um, who have taken advantage of the like first homeowner business and all that kind of stuff and now they've got these big interest rates and mm. um, you know the costs of the mortgage are really really high and it's like a bit of a struggle but also these people can buy houses so you know yeah, yeah and it's yeah saving up for deposits is just insane like it's, yeah it's pretty crazy there seems to be a, a scheme called Keystart Keystart, Keystart yes. Yeah, yeah. yes yeah that's the one so I mean housing <laughs> at the moment is a a problem for everybody, isn't yeah. it? Unless you're in a lucky mm. position. So if you're first, if you're on the ladder as a as a first home owner, um, even with a you know a good salary, it's a struggle because mm. mm. the interest rates are higher. But like you know, like we all know, once you squeeze that population, yeah. who's going to be at the the most pointy end of it? And it's those who are mm. struggling the most. Do you find just as a bit? This is a bit random, but down in Margaret River, do you find there's much altruism amongst some of like the winery owners or some of the sort of hospitality and tourism businesses down there? Yes and no. Um, so we recently, at the end of the tax year, put out a corporate sponsorship um, prospectus mm-hmm. and to see what was out there. Um, one of the battles we have is trying to help people understand what what is going on and hence why I do these kind of things and we try and have more public discourse about the issue and, like I said, the sofa in town because mm. um, they need to know who is experiencing this. Mm. So we do have some really good... So, so one strong advocate who have been with us for a long time is the Cullens Winery. Yep. So they've donated to this um, uh, upcoming event with the live auction they've mm-hmm. donated to us you know annually we have volunteers who come um, from their winery to sit on our committees and our action collectives mm-hmm. um, but yeah there's a lot out there that don't do anything okay. um, not that I'm pointing the finger I guess <laughs> we need to bring them in on the journey um, yeah. and help people understand in general not just the wineries mm. but like I said like I think that's something we need to grow as an organisation because there are a lot of people there. There's a lot of people with uh, access to so a lot of resources mm. um, and their community needs them. And if they've benefited from, as a community from, you know, from that area, you know, we, we, we encourage them to give back. Yeah, because I, I, over the years I've been to events down in Margaret River, like at Lewin Estate, where they put on mm. a massive band, you know, like someone like Sting or, you know, someone yeah. with a massive profile. And there's, is it Three Oceans? Is that another place yeah. that puts on gigs? Yeah. You'd think that the, if the community kind of pulled together, they could put their heads together. And even just one of those events a year or every two years would probably generate um, like your operating budget yeah. you know <laughs> yeah well, that'd, be, that'd be great yeah they they did there was an event um prior to me starting um it was a lot of work and mm. it did generate a good you know a good amount of income not quite near our yearly operating costs mm. but maybe 10 percent um it is tough it is a lot of work mm. um and we, we've got our event coming up on the, the 13th of august and we do have a couple of local artists who are going to be playing um, but to go to the scale of what you just I mean I don't mm. getting mm. hold of Sting I mean yeah, yeah. if you've got his number I'm willing to take yeah. him today and give him a ring well I saw Ricky Gervais just generated 1.4 million dollars oh in God. tickets for one show in Los Angeles yeah yeah this, this has been on the list as well so we're a, we're a young organisation who's growing like we did a financial sustainability report a year ago and we're working at really creating a sustainable organisation and growing mm-hmm. uh, at a good pace and one of the things we've talked about is is having that advocate or the champion or the ambassador mm-hmm. um, I mean there's a lot of famous people that live down in that region I mean mm-hmm. you get like your John Butlers etc yeah. um, we haven't gone down that road yet but maybe we will in, mm. the, in the coming future. Um, 
but like I said, I think before we can run, we need to walk, and we're just getting our ducks in a row. So yeah. we're kind of doing things at a pace that's that's good for us. Yeah, I feel like if it's sort of an organic kind of growth or yeah. ev- evolution towards something like that, because it is a an, an, a, a part of WA that's really heavy in the arts and the culinary arts and, yeah. you know, and a lot of sustainable living and stuff like that. So it'd be great if there was some sort of ongoing collective effort, you know, that involves some high-profile people at times. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, I agree, Craig. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be great to pair with something that's already happening, mm. put our name to it and the cause and have a percentage of, uh, of yeah, of raise of the money raised go to us. Yeah. I think to get to that point, we need to do more education to explain because mm-hmm. it, it was an issue back in 2017 when the organisation was, was incorporated. And like I said, the 2015 report showed that we were severely unaffordable then. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, we've mm. got a 50-odd percent ri- rising cost of, not cost of living, although there is the cost of living, living issue, but cost of housing. So it's worse than it has been. Double of engagements. So we're getting to the point where it's more overt in the community. And yeah. that's the problem. I think people don't necessarily want to do anything unless they see it. Mm. If they see the problem, they're like, ah, yes. It's when it's underground and people are like sleeping in the bush and the elderly are sleeping on their friend's sofa or mm. in the car. It's hidden. And when it's hidden, it's harder then to, to canvas support. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, part of our role is then to do some storytelling and, and kind of shine a light on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah interesting. And also a bit out of left field, is, are there, do you have many Indigenous stakeholders down there? Yeah, there are, definitely. Um, yeah. And a percentage of the people that come to us for support are Indigenous, and there are echoes uh, mm. down there. Um, probably not as prominent as up here, um, but yeah, there are. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, that's definitely like a key demographic here in yeah. our city kind of homelessness sector. In city. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, interesting. And just out of interest, the minister that you mentioned that you're talking to, is that John, John Kerry? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, he's great. Yeah. I like him. So, <laughs> well, sorry, I, I, I um, was on like a pedestrian and cycling yeah. little community um, kind of thing before he became... Well, he was the mayor of Vincent. Yeah. That's right. And that's where I first met him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was always lovely. Yeah, so we've him. met him... Well, we've met him as a, as a community organisation once. Mm-hmm. Um, I went in December, I think it was. There was the Premier's uh, community cabinet, so he brought down a load of his ministers. Mm. Uh, I asked a question about the housing... The Premier talked more about the Airbnb issue, saying that's going to be on our radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a, a few weeks later, we met face-to-face with the Minister. He's very supportive of that alliance mm-hmm. project because there's a grassroots, community-driven project. Mm-hmm. It's as good as it could be, I think. Mm. Like We've got it to the point where it's polished. We know our stuff. We just need that support. Mm. It's now getting it through the bureaucracy that yeah. is the department mm-hmm. or is government. So I think his it? power there is is not limited because obviously he does have power. It's just how it lines up to the yeah. red tape, yeah, you the, know, the bureaucrats. bureaucrats. Yeah. So we're in that journey. It's taking a lot longer than we'd like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like we were ready in you know nine months ago to get going, but. Yeah. There's so much paperwork, play the game. you know. Yeah, yeah this, this is game. getting gifted the land, right? Is that the yeah. the project? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we we have, like I said, money to probably um, support at least three of the units now, and that's without yeah. even going out with our bowls and asking for money. Yeah. Um, and I think with fundraising, it's a lot easier if you've got something, an object to fund. To show. Oh, yeah. like fund yeah. this brick and yeah. mortar kind. When it's yeah. physical and you know it's going to have immediate impact, it's a lot easier. Yeah. When it's a little, when it's more ethereal and harder to point a finger at, it's a bit tricky. Mm. Yeah, so okay, so just tra- drawing a few uh, fairly long lines here on the map. <laughs> um, there's obviously been a lot of debate with the the, Nash- with the federal government around their kind of housing policy and the Greens and the Labor Party are sort of going going at each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. Would any of that sort of funding um, come your way if that policy did get through Parliament? Yeah, I guess, I guess it would. Um, there's the flow-on effect. I mean, I asked Minister John Kerry, uh, was it... It was last year, some during Homelessness Week, actually, last year, about how the funding is allocated um, between Metro and the region. And his answer, I'm pretty sure I'm getting this spot on, is 80% is automatically 
directed at the metro area because that's where most people live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then the regions are then fighting over the 20%. The 20, okay. So when that money flows in from the federal um, budget, great. That means there's more money in the pot. It's just how that money is being split. Mm-hmm. And I guess from a ministerial point of view, he'd be looking at um, severity, you know, where is it going to have most impact? Mm. So I understand that is an issue. um, But I'm hoping with the increase of funding and the fact that we, you know, as a a region that's well loved by the state and its inhabitants and the increases in issues we're seeing and how much we need to protect that if we're going to look after that region, that money will start coming to us as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I can definitely see that the higher proportion might go out to inner WA, Kalgoorlie, up north, rather than yeah. an area that everyone associates with high-income earners. Yeah, um, yeah mm. it'd be tough to get a good proportion of that. Yeah, and, and that's I mean, that's fair. They've got their story and they're struggling and they need to be supported too. I mean, it's... Mm. I guess it's a that's not issue. our job. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's the government's role. Yeah. Yeah. But if you've come up with strategies and policies like the housing first principle mm-hmm. and um, you know, wrong door and all these things, and you've now you've got for the first time a minister for housing and homelessness, you need to follow through. And if you've got a region yeah. who, which is deteriorating and requires you know support, and nothing really has been happening for a very long time, there's no office for you know housing, and we're the community are having to take charge mm. that needs to be paid attention to definitely um yeah i guess it's um, we're probably nearing the end of our chat here but i just had one final question <laughs> sure. um so you're obviously based in margaret river itself um would, would you have to expand a little bit do you think to take care of some of the other areas around you know further south further inland etc well we so we cover all the way down to augusta and okay. a bit further up than um Kawaram up k-town mm-hmm. um we we do get people from those areas. Um, look, in a perfect world, it's always the outreach issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, it's the, w- as soon as you get bigger geographical distances, things become harder. And I know there's this big push towards, especially during COVID and post-COVID, to more, te- you know, the telehealth system where you mm-hmm. can zoom in. And it doesn't work for everybody. It's not mm-hmm. really the answer for some. For some, it, it's great. But for others, especially if you don't have internet or... It's a really impersonal way to connect. And if you've got a story, you know, yeah. you've been through trauma, it's not a nice way to be, um, yeah, to be asking for, for support. Mm-hmm. So, yes, in an ideal world, we would need to kind of think about expanding. Yeah. But at this point, in our yeah. time, we're looking for sustainability. <laughs> yeah. I was just curious because mm. Margaret River is a bit of a hub for yeah. those yeah. sort of smaller surrounding areas. And I just wonder, geographically, it's obviously challenging because they are quite spread out. But yeah. yeah, I was just curious to see. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Was there anything else you wanted to cover with us before we signed off? No, I don't know. I've done my pitch for the event. <laughs> I don't know when this yeah. goes out, Craig. But yeah. Uh, well, we can talk about that because, um, yeah, we can, yeah, we can talk okay. about that. Yeah. Um, no, I guess I, I guess it's partly why I was keen to do this podcast is uh, not that I'm I'm looking to overtly debunk myths, but I think it's important people see another side of a place. Mm-hmm. And if you've held it close to your heart, you know, your family's been visiting there for years, these are the things we need to look after, you mm-hmm. know. Similar, you know, with, with Rottnest Island and mm-hmm. Ningaloo, like there's these places, mm. they need to be protected um, and the people within them. So I guess it's just about having conversation with friends, with family, maybe tell them one or two of the things I've said, you know, and, and go from there. That's how these things spread. Yeah. And so if people want to help out or volunteer or, or participate Get in involved. conversations, how can they yeah. find you? And Great. So go onto our website. So you can just Google Just Home Margaret River. There's, there's a section for volunteers. You can donate, obviously, if you're in Perth or somewhere else in the state and you can't get to us, you can donate. We'll take that. Um, (laughs) But there's other ways you can volunteer. I mean, it doesn't have to be in person. You know, we have proofreaders, we have photographers. Obviously, that's in person. Um, (laughs) Grant writing support. There's so many different ways you can remotely support. So if you're interested... um, well, hey, if you've got any land you want to get rid of, 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> you can send it that way. But that's yeah. the kind of thing. So you can go onto our website and you'll learn a lot more um, from us just by visiting that. Cool. All right. Well, thanks very much for making the trip to UWA. Yeah, it's been great chatting. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) And we'll uh, hopefully hear some good news from you soon. Yeah. And that was our conversation with Alex Hughes. It's it's an interesting one, I think. Uh, You know, I can understand from... Uh, other people's perspectives that Margaret River would not be your first place to think of homelessness. Mm. Um, And, you know, it's only after that conversation where you go, yeah, absolutely, there needs to be services down there, of course. But, Mm. you know, prior to that, um, I think of the, the... number of doctors that I know that have a property down there that go there for two weeks and then leave their house empty for the whole time. And, yeah, a fascinating um, kind of culture that they've built down there. Yeah, I mean, it's a desirable place. It's Mm. a relaxed um, and has been a pretty cool, trendy sort of place for for a while, like um, sort of a bit of a hippie vibe with the surfing and stuff like that over the years. And as happens around the world in cities and towns like that, there's places that are cool like that where there's often a lot of artists and it's yeah. seen to be pretty socially desirable and pretty cool. Yeah. People with money want to purchase a bit of that cool and that vibe. <laughs> so they start building and buying yeah. houses and stuff like that down there. And then pretty soon it becomes unaffordable because there's so many wealthy people down there yeah. um, that those people that were creating that vibe in the first place aren't there anymore because they mm. have to move somewhere else and they create the next cool place to go to and then it happens again and yeah. I think you've probably seen a bit that a bit with Denmark which is a little bit yeah. further south of Margaret mm-hmm. River it's like the new Margaret River it is isn't it and it's now becoming you know a place so with expensive. it's expensive there's big mansions and stuff yeah. down there big farmhouses have you um, ever looked at like property of houses down those areas uh, look I haven't looked I have I have looked at the purchase prices like yeah. in Margaret River um, I yeah. probably haven't looked at Denmark recently but I have stayed in an Airbnb down in Denmark mm-hmm probably three years ago now um, and in the middle of winter, in the, the middle of the first COVID winter that we had. And usually that that place shuts down for the winter. Yeah. But this winter businesses stayed open because people couldn't go anywhere else. Yeah. So they, so a lot of people went south for their holidays, you know, over that school holiday period. Mm. And you could see like there's like day spas and, you know, places like that that are sort of a bit more high end. Yeah, you know? they've got some cool pubs down in those areas now as well. Yeah, some, yeah very, lots of very wineries. Cool ones. Lots of wineries. Lots of cheese, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, you can see how the, the locals build a place up and, you know, make it nice and and um, give it a bit of vibe. And, and then, then other city slickers yeah, <laughs> go want, down for holidays. <laughs> they want the second home. They want potentially yeah. look into the future. They're thinking maybe I'll retire down here. Yeah. I'll buy a property now. Um, sit on it for a few years and then I'm ready to live in it You know, Absolutely. by the time I retire. And in the meantime, the locals, the, the number of houses they've got to choose from kind of diminishes. Yeah. So anyway, that that's one part of it. But yeah. there's a general pressure on, you know, p- particularly affordable and lower income housing um, mm-hmm. just in Australia generally. And, of course, that's going to be felt in the regions and Margaret River is one of those regions. Yep. So exactly. So if we want to keep our places cool and hip, yeah. Like Margaret River, so we can keep keep going down and going to the wineries and things. It's these are the kind of grassroots yeah. um, things that we need to support. Yeah, really. I think so. And I think it sounds like Alex and his his small team down there are, are doing a good job of trying yeah. to engage some of those influences. Mm. You know, whether they be business people or or yeah. people from the arts. It would or whatever. actually make sense for like the wineries down there. You know, because they would employ. A bunch of people. Mm-hmm. It would make sense because they have also a lot of land to have small units and things on there for yeah. staff. I think so. Yeah. Um, and potentially it could be done fairly cost effectively yeah. and fairly affordably. Like, I think people are prepared <laughs> to live in very basic accommodation. Yeah, It just absolutely. needs to have the necessities, right? And yeah. it's more about the location. You know, people want to be out in the forest or, yeah. you know, next to a vineyard or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. it doesn't need to be a five-star hotel. No, no, not at all. Um, but yeah, interesting. And we'll put some links up to different things that Alex mentioned, like yeah. the Witchcliff community and yeah. some of these ideas. And Margaret River is an innovative place. Like they've innovated over the years socially and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that they will innovate again to try they and will. solve this problem. Definitely. Um, 
So we'll hopefully be able to talk about it in the past tense and yeah. reflect on what went well. But, yeah. yes, but yes, because it is Homeless Week, um, yeah, remember that there are going to be a whole bunch of events happening, yeah. um, even in City of Perth as well. I'm, I'm sure there is. Um, mm. So have a have a look into it if there's anything you want to do to support. Yeah. Uh, this is the week to do it um, and get involved. And if you want to go to some of the events that Alex was talking about, there'll be tickets and there'll be the links in our show notes and yeah. probably on Instagram and Facebook and all those other social yeah. media places as well. Go and check it out. Yeah. Um, so look for the handle at Health Means What for mm-hmm. on Twitter and Instagram, and just search the meaning of health on Facebook and. Meaning of health at outlook.com is our email address. Yeah. So get in touch. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, happy homelessness week. Yes, you too. And uh, you will be thinking about all the great people that um, are trying to help those in need. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll be back with you guys soon. The Meaning of Health podcast is produced with the support of the Education Enhancement Unit and the School of Population and Global Health at the University of Western Australia. The podcast is produced by Craig Cumming and Courtney Webber with editing, mixing and additional music by Craig Cumming.